Hello, and welcome back to Madness in the Method, the uh, podcast where we focus on the, the the strange career of Nicolas Cage, and we take a, we take a deep dive into his filmography. Uh, my name is uh, Tobias, and with me is my friend and trusted co-host, uh, Christopher. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And in this episode, we, uh, we're going to talk about Racing Arizona. Which uh, I hadn't seen before. Had you seen it before? Yeah, I saw it a while back, uh, around high school, I think. Okay. I was I was going through not all of them, but I was I I, I just found uh, the Coen Brothers, so I went back oh. and watched some old movies. Uh, well, older movies, um, and this was one of them. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I I'd never seen it before. Um, I've had it in my collection for quite a while, but never watched it. I'm not sure why. Um, what was your opinion before you saw it? Before I saw it, um, all I knew about it was that it was a Cohen movie. Mm-hmm. So I thought it must be good because like most <laughs> of what they do is at least good, yeah, if not great. So that is true. Yeah, um, I was I was prepared for it to be maybe a little more amateurish since it's their second like big big budget movie or not even big budget but their second like actual movie. I mean, no, they made some shorts before Blood Simple, but this was their second big movie. Um, and I, I but I got I gotta say I added I, I, spoilers for the rest of the <laughs> conversation. I didn't think it was amateurish at all. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, Straight from the first scene, or you you realize this is a Coen Brothers movie, and it is the way they make movies. Oh yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. As you said, it it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's the first movie. It feels like there's like fourth movie where they got yeah. their stuff down and they know how to make movies. But yeah, and obviously they do so. <laughs> yes, yes, obviously. Um, but let's quickly go through the plot. Um, it's pretty pretty easy, pretty simple. Um, uh, uh, Hi or or Herbert is his actual name, I think. H I is also something. H I, yeah, but no, he signs the letter later in the movie with Herbert, I think. Okay. Either way, played by Nicolas Cage, um, is a repeat um, repeat uh, 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 offender, also known as a recidivist. If you if you watched uh, uh, Trailer Park Boys, you learned that word, and I mean they do say it in here as well, recidivism. Anyway. Um, and he falls in love with a uh, police officer who, who he, whom he meets every time he has to take a new mugshot. <laughs> um, so they, they, when he finally decides to go straight, so to say, so to speak, they, they decide to get married, um, you know, and, and to start a family. But turns out um, Ed or Edwina, as the police officer is called, um, played by Holly Hunter. Is barren, as she says. Um, so they can't have a child. And because of um, H.I.'s checkered past, they can't uh, adopt either. So they decide to kidnap a baby, <laughs> as one does. And hilarity ensues. Yeah, because they see on the f- TV that uh, a rich couple has gotten five children. Yeah. And, and, and they even say in an interview, it's more than we can handle, so yeah. well, we'll, we'll take so one of them off your hands. Exactly. Um, yeah, and it is very, very Cohen in Cohen Brothers in this. It just it just builds more things. Oh, yes. yes. Things on top of things, the story arcs, the story storylines and characters just crossing paths all the time. It's, it's not as uh, intricate some, as some of the other movies. No, uh, no, definitely. Like, not. for example, uh, Big Lebowski, Ugh, but um, yes. <laughs> which is which is maybe a little too much of that. Yeah, I love that movie, but I still it's ugh, when you think of all the yeah, all and the, it's, all it's the still it's plots. still hard to for me when I rewatch it to just remember, just get the story straight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so in this one they had a moderate amount of that. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's still it's still uh, uh, noteworthy how, how many different plots you can get into a pretty straightforward movie like this. Yeah, there there are prison runs, uh, bank robberies, kidnappings, uh, bounty hunters. hunters from hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. and there's an unfur- unpainted furnished store in the middle of everything. Oh yes, yes. 
Um, so, uh, well, um, let me ask you then, uh, what did you, what did you think of the movie before you saw it this time? Did you? So I, uh, I only remembered vividly the first part, the part up until the title screen, so to speak. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow, it's very, is... very stylized since it's all, uh, it's all in, uh, with narration and. Yeah, it's Basically. almost uh, the same as the beginning of Up, Pixar. Yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> we sort of just recap a, a, a big chunk of time uh, in, yeah. in just a couple of minutes. And it's it's expertly done, I'd say, in this one. Uh, well, in Up 2, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, So I only remember that part and then some bits and pieces, like some characters. Uh, I completely forgot the prison scene and... and Stuff like that. So I was, uh, I was remembering that was a. I remembered I liked the movie, and I, I was uh, expecting to like it this time too, uh, but I didn't really remember what was gonna happen or how it would go. Okay. Um. So yeah, it was. I was mostly just uh, excited to see it again. And after watching it this time, did your opinions change in any way? Um. It is a lot sillier than I remember. Oh, yes. Well, uh, well, but I, 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 I didn't mind. <laughs> I didn't mind it. But if, from my point of view, I was uh, thinking it would be more um, Barton Fink esque. Okay. Uh, a little slower, a little more uh, weight of the world. Um, mm. So and and there was none of that. So I I liked no. it, but in a different way than I expected. Okay. If you speak well, like that, I did I did see the trailer um, a while back when we when we started all this. So I I did not expect it to be like heavy because the trailer is very uh, silly, very comedic. Mm. Um, but it even surpassed that for me. This is this was this was like this is first of all it's an outright comedy. I laughed out loud several times. Yeah. Um, uh, which you don't usually do with. Uh, with Cohen, Cohen movies. I mean, sometimes you do, but this is by far the funniest movie they've made, at least in my opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say that. This is the, the most straight-up comedy. Yeah. Because I don't think it had any, like, serious moments, really. Not, re- not really serious. I mean, there is some serious undertones. Yeah, yeah, there are these things with uh, that she's... Can't have children and they're sad about it, but it's all uh, played for laughs. It's nothing is played for yes. to be serious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but but I mean, some of the imagery and and some of some some subtle stuff is very dark. Like I mean, he uh, the bounty hunter is is uh, is is literally like uh, um, uh, a horseman of the uh, the apocalypse. <laughs> he he brings death wherever he goes, um, and it's it's funny. But it's also, I mean, he is he is part real, but also part uh, like part of of Ajay's subconscious. Like he's feeling guilty for kidnapping a baby. Yeah, which which is very very dark, but also in a way very funny. You know, it's darkly comedic. I I did read that that character Leonard Smalls. Yeah, name, I think yeah. Uh, they, co- the Cohen brothers, they. Thought him up from the point of view of HI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it wasn't not a bad guy that they would come up with, but what would our character come up with if we made <laughs> the worst bad guy that this character could come up with? That's yeah. that's the way they uh, made that that guy or the design of him at least. Yeah, yeah, and then it make then that makes sense because it's almost like he springs out of HI's nightmares. Yeah. Because you know he he's the only character that seems to like break the l- rules of reality. I'm not gonna read too much into that. That's just for you know for for the effect of it. But yeah, I mean, he does disappear and reappear into scenes and yeah. But they have also this weird sort of. I don't think it's something it's meant to even uh, reflect or analyze it anyway. But this sort of that HI can in a way predict the future. And in his dreams, yeah, they they keep coming back to this that he describes his dreams and and they are in a way coming true. Um, yeah, he dreams of marrying Ed. He does. Mm-hmm. He he dreams of uh, the bounty hunter. He he appears. Um, yeah, and, and then so 
then we can ho- hopefully his last dream of of, of uh, Nathan Junior growing up and them having a, a, a fruitful life at an HI. Hopefully that that comes true as well, but we don't know. Yeah, uh, and I like this this uh, explanation, non-explaining explanation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, there isn't that much really to say about the movie ex- except just explaining things because it is just, pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, it's very straightforward, and also it's uh, just the technical aspects of the movie, well, the acting and the cinematography in this. It's just is good. <laughs> I I I think for for being this early in someone's career, I I think it's great at some at certain points. Um especially like like all the different um um uh, filmmaking techniques that they use. Um the the cinematography it's it's a typical like um uh, lo- uh, long steady shots where, where not a lot moves, but there's also this hectic handheld camera running through houses and stores. And then there's even a uh, Sam Raimi inspired, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know how they did it in this one, but like motorcycle camera um, used. Yeah. F- at first, you think it's supposed to be a motorcycle, but then it goes up a ladder and into a window. And it's like, oh, wait, what's happening? That scene. When they go into the the bedroom of the babies, yeah. into the mouth of the mother, it's like, oh, right. <laughs> they used to share an apartment with Sam Raimi back in the eighties. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 that was that, straight up Evil Dead. <laughs> that's true. There are a few specific scenes that are kind of interesting. Um, I think the other lot, one, the other one was thing, interesting. Uh, the, the other one that stands out to me is the one uh, where he. The chase scene after he robs the convenience store. Yeah, convenience yeah. Store. It goes on forever. Yeah, and specifically the scene where he runs through the house is really interesting. How they oh, yeah. It. Yeah, that's when they have a very hectic handheld yeah. camera. Also mm-hmm. very, very Sam Raimi-esque. Yes. Uh, when um, Bruce Campbell is, is being chased. Yeah, through the house, yeah. Um, but th- that scene also om- almost feels surreal because he's running like... Uh, Sometimes at the same speed as a car, and he never stops running for like ten minutes. Um, so it's, it, it 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 almost feels like it's it's like heightened reality, just for not not for any specific purpose, just because that's what the scene needs. And it's also this weird song or soundtrack in the background. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's, the banjo, it, it really uh, yodeling song. Yeah, banjo yodeling. It really it sets the the it sets a, sets such a weird mood in that scene. Yeah, um, well, it is it is the theme of the song. It does come up at several points in the movie. Yeah, but specifically in that scene, it's because it it just keeps on and on and on. It feels like at least. Uh, yes, it's, yes, it 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 helps with the uh, uh, with the stress of that scene definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then also a lot of things that then reappear in in um, Cohen movies, like yeah, um, the strange and both cinematography, but also like set design of the Nathan Arizona house, where everything seems like it's it's bigger than it has to be, like the the living room that they're sitting in when they're reading. Mm-hmm. Like everything is huge except for them in the room, and it's filmed from like a low angle. Um. To just it just and it makes everything look look weird somehow. And the same thing with the baby's room. Everything I, I guess it's supposed to like show that they are rich. That they're the rich people in in this this little like bubble of people that they're 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 most like middle class anyway. They're just upper middle class. Um, but they have the the huge the huge baby room with all the the very uh, stark colors, especially in the baby room. Um, and the, the living room, it is it's, it sticks out more than any other place. It looks almost looks surreal. A lot of the movie feels surreal. Yeah, like definitely. That. Yeah, there there is also this uh, thing with the the family, the, the the rich family. Yeah, I don't know if it was just me or if it's actually intended in the movie, but it felt that they started out as these. Uh, sort of cartoonish characters over the top and very as you said 
the things in their houses seem so big, and his uh, when they he do the interview when they lose uh, when they discover the baby's yeah. gone, and and he still needs to do to advertise his uh, store, and, and it's just it feels very silly, and days feel very silly. Silly, but yeah, it, it's but, it's a, but, it's a typical like rich, you know, uh, yeah. Me, evil rich guy, but even though he's not evil. Exactly, um, but then the further we go through the movie, the more down-to-earth and human they become. Yeah. At least for me. Cause yeah. And especially in the, in the last scene, one of the last scenes of the movie, when they actually talk with him, and he just straight up seems like a good guy, and he ta- confesses that he, well, confesses, but he tells them that he, 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 he couldn't couldn't survive without his, his wife and yeah. that he really loves uh, his family and it feels like two completely different characters from how yeah. we started and how we ended uh, and I don't know if that's intentionally or not but it's, I like it. For me it felt intentional because uh, because at, at first they just seemed like them rich folks who got a lot of babies while we got nothing and it kind of justifies why they can take one of their babies. They have enough already, both in baby manner, baby matters and money matters. Um, but the further the movie goes, the more both H.I. and Ed realize that, wait, we can't just take someone's baby. And Ed says that outright towards the end. So, and when they, when they return the baby, I mean, in that scene, they are the bad guys. They've done something wrong. Uh, and in a, in a, a, t- a typical rich uh, Texan, but this is Arizona Arizonan guy, would, would be like, oh, put them in irons, throw them into prison. But he, at that point, just wants his baby back. So, and they have gradually humanized him during the movie. And yeah, I think that is intentional to kind of, because no one is really, except for um, Leonard Smalls, there is, no one is really bad in this movie. Not even the, no. the criminals. No, so I guess they also wanted to to um, uh, what's it called? The thing that Ryan Human- Johnson wanted to do S- subvert people, oh, yeah, humanize and subvert people's expectations with the rich yeah. uh, store owner. That oh look, he 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 has a heart as well, because it but is it, a, a very a very like happy and positive movie. But this is also this movie also exists in this. Brothers Cohen land that a lot of their movies do, uh, at least the movies uh, before 2010, where no crime is serious in a way. Where uh, even if when people talk about murdering and, and bank robbing, it's all just fun and games. Uh, yeah, as, as you said, with the, with you have these criminals, these criminals from. The break out of jail and they have to do a heist, but it's just it's just ugh, they're just having fun. It's just and then and then they go back to prison when they're done, <laughs> uh, and it's this yeah. this weird no stakes world in a way, or or well there are stakes, but where we all know that it will end happily in the end, no yeah. matter really what happens. Uh, uh, I think both uh, Big Lebowski and Oh Brother Where Art Thou they they have the same this weird. Oh yeah. Weird world, and even even uh, Hudsucker Proxy has a bit of that as well. If I don't remember wrong, I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I have seen that movie. Okay, it's, it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. That's why I like. Oh. It. Um, yeah, but I, but I think that's that's the two different versions of a of a of a Cohen movie because you have the movies that are comedies, and all of their comedies are. More or less straight up comedies. This one is the most straight up comedy, mm. but still, um, even yeah, like cr- criminals and murderers are still you know they're fun and happy go lucky somehow, um, and and the crimes they're they're not too bad you know. Some people die, sure, but you know it's ultimately it's fine. And then you have the super dark movies like Blood Simple or or No Country for Old Men or um, uh, True Grit. Fargo? Yeah, for, uh, yeah, Fargo. Fargo's a pretty good middle middle yeah, thing. That's middle. still funny, but when the actual crimes are committed, they're horrific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And and so you have those two different versions of, of Cohen movies, or two different kinds of Cohen movies. And this one definitely feels in falls into the the, the comedy um, uh, category. Yeah. So like when they when they want to make a, a a fun and just entertaining movie, that's what it is. Nothing. <laughs> it's not like ooh, but it's deceptively dark. No, it's just fun. It's fun. We can do deceptively dark and interesting and deep and layered. In another movie, but if we're making it fun, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sort of gave up on um, the Coen Brothers. Really? Uh, around yeah, it was No Country for Old Men, I think. Well, I didn't give up then. Okay, that's I, that's when I started to give up on them because I saw I was really I have into a similar. Them. Yeah. Uh, not, well, I I really like their movies. Uh, I I didn't see all of their movies, but I I like them. Uh, look, looking forward to them. Uh, yeah. No Country for Old Men, I. I really don't like that movie uh, for the same reason as I have mentioned before. I don't like The Godfather because uh, it's a boring movie about boring people doing nothing, um, and that's apparently good cinema. But uh, <laughs> so, so I didn't like No Controlled Man. Uh, but I was ah, everyone can do a bad movie. Then I saw Burn After Reading, and that was yeah. It was. I it never felt saw that like, one. It felt like they were trying. Someone was trying to do a Coen Brothers movie, but okay. didn't really succeed. It's just, eh. and then I saw a Serious Man, which I oh. thought was kind of, eh. It was okay. I love that movie. That was yeah, okay. that was kind of what brought me back to to the Coen Brothers because I wasn't the first time I watched No Country for Old Men. I wasn't a fan either, mm. um, and I was mostly a fan uh, before that. Um, but then I saw, so I skipped Burn after reading. Um, but I, I, I love the serious man. But then I kind of like, I, 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 I think it was that I liked their more, uh, their more comedic movies. Yeah. Both their comedies and the like, weird, weirdly comedic movies like Fargo and and Serious Man. So I skipped True Grit. I don't think I have seen it still. And same same thing with Inside Llewellyn Davis or Lewin Davis. It just didn't look like a movie I like. Um, and then Hail Caesar skipped that as well, and it wasn't until last month when I watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs for the first time, um, which I'd also dismissed. Like, eh, I don't want to watch this. Mm. It's a, it's it's a collection of short stories. No, thank you. <laughs> but I watched it, and it's great. It's it's I think it's great. Uh, yeah. Some stories more than others. So I but then I went back. And watch just a few weeks ago. Watch No Country for Old Men, and while I might not think it's a perfect movie, it's great. <laughs> it's an amazing movie still, uh, which I I didn't realize that in two thousand and four. Maybe because I was, uh, I was uh, I was fourteen, so I was a little young. Maybe two thousand four. Oh no, two thousand. Sorry, I was no two thousand and seven. No, 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 no. Two thousand and seven. <laughs> sorry, still seventeen. Not. Yeah. I don't think I was old enough to understand that movie yeah but i, I, I have, did this I, time i have gone back to try to see no controlled man but yeah no still can't can't handle that movie uh but yeah and so, so, so I, I guess that that movie it's 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 called no country for old men but it's, it's definitely a movie for older people about older people if that makes sense i mean we're not going to discuss yeah this we'll do a cohen brothers podcast later. yeah sure <laughs> but yeah, yeah so i i didn't see anything after a serious man Okay. Uh, so I haven't seen anything after that one. I have, as you said, heard that the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is great. I yes. I have been thinking about seeing it, but I'm still not a big fan of Coen Brothers after Serious Man, without okay. giving him giving him a chance. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But this, what I was going to say was, this Arizona Junior is the like the old Coen Brothers that I really like, uh, or uh, Racing Arizona. Yeah, it's called it's called Arizona Junior in, in the Swedish, Swedish right? title, yeah, and for some reason, my brain has just overridden that it, it that's what it's called. Uh, <laughs> it took too long for me to just find the movie because I was I was googling the the wrong name oh, okay. for like hours, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why can't I find this movie? I know it. Not that weird. Uh, I know. But yeah. I know it exists yeah. somewhere. Uh, but yeah, so this is this is. Uh, I, I'd say this is when the Coen Brothers 
start their their good era starts. Uh, oh sure, yeah. I I haven't seen all of Blood Simple, um, but yeah, this is this is where they. F- so I, w- I won't say that's like bad, no. but this is where they found their like their footing, and that's also interesting because a lot lot of people who start off very strong have have a uh, you know. Their first movie is super, becomes super popular and gets a bunch of good reviews. Their second movie usually it, it's a it's called the sophomore slump, that where mm-hmm. they they try to recreate that, and they can't because they only had that one good story <laughs> in them. Um, but here it's definitely just like l- looking at like like technical comparisons, they just went in a completely different direction. Like yeah, we're gonna show you we we can do we can do more good movies and we can do different movies. <laughs> So from the very like scaled down and 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 Spartan look in Blood Simple to this almost like cartoonish look, yeah. Um, in 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 um, Racing Arizona. And then from this movie going to Miller's Crossing and Bart. Yeah. Think it's just. <laughs> and then back. And that's once again back to their comedy. The Hudsucker Proxy has a similar like um uh, uh, style to to uh, Racing Arizona. Mm. Um, well, oh yeah, you hadn't seen that, but it is, it's similar in like camera technique and, and a lot of the, a lot of the set design is the same thing. It's off, especially in set, that takes place, uh, like up in the, the rich people skyscrapers in New York. So it's all like big and art deco. It reminds you a lot of, of, uh, Nathan Arizona's house. Mm, okay. Um, and then they, then, then, then they went, then they did their middle movies, Fargo and Big Lebowski that are, they're comedies, but they're dark. Yeah. And then they kind of went back to comedy with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, uh, just quickly, when we're talking about the Coen Brothers, uh, wh- which is your what is your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Oh. Is it No Country? You really? No. Sold it. Sold, sold it. Yes, it's very good, but it's it's I, I've only thought it was very good for like a few weeks. Okay. I think my favorite... I, I have to say The Big Lebowski. I mean, that movie... Oh. It has impacted my life so much. I, I, I mean, it's it's been my favorite Cohen movies for over ten years at this point. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm even a priest in the the Church of Dudaism. Like, <laughs> it's obviously my favorite uh, Cohen movie. Yeah, uh, sure. I, after, I never... after that, though, I mean, it's a toss up. Uh, uh, a serious man. I will say, yeah. Um, uh, no country for old men. Or maybe even, maybe even uh, Fargo, I would say, or like a close second. All those. What's your favorite? Uh, Borton Fink is my favorite movie. I I remember liking it, but I haven't seen it in so long. So I, I can't. I, 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 I can't sometimes say. go back to see. It. I see this several okay, times. Yeah. It's, it, it's. I just. Uh, it's one of those movies where I can't really say anything that is weak in it. Uh, uh, it's just everything everything works and everything is great. And also the... Not not to go too deep into it, but... Uh, also that that movie, for anyone who hasn't seen it, if you watch it, remember that uh, the plot only goes forward when he writes his script. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting. So it's like the, the, the writer of the movie has writer's block when the character in the movie has writer's block. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, really sort of uh, bridging Barton Fink and Racing Arizona. Do you think that the Coen brothers write uh, characters for John Goodman? They uh, have to, right? I think so. I know this was the first time they worked with him, but after this, yeah, probably. Because <laughs> in, in almost every... Coen Brothers movie, he has this this way of talking this uh, that, because in this movie he is the, the Racing Arizona he is a convict who is sort of well, lower class convict, you get sort of the, uh, I don't know lower class hillbilly redneck redneck vibe, yeah, 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 definitely but still he has this very Expansive vocabulary. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and he has this. He, he really goes talking philosophically, and he talks like a very uh, smart and 
yeah, philosophical man sometimes, and then sometimes he goes very brutish and very just screaming and being an angry guy. Yeah. And, I, and it I, feels like that's how he usually is portrayed in Coen Brothers movies for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't know why specifically him, but I, I, I think I, I can understand why they write dialogue like that, both for him and some other characters as well. Mm. Um, especially <laughs> um, some of the characters in, in No Country for Old Men talk like that. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's this, this mix of... Because they're, from what I understand, they're from the the south sort of or mm-hmm. at least you know that's where they started making their movies no they're from they're from minnesota well that's yeah it's a, f- a flyover states um so so the language in in raising arizona and and, and um uh ballad of buster scruggs and and um, the movies that take place in the south it's very much influenced by um yeah, the the way they talk there, it's 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 the way people talked like in the in the in the Wild West. Like uh, they they had a a way of talk like that we don't talk that we don't a way of using language that we don't use today. Uh, but it's also a, probably partly um, uh, like a a, a a made a made up way we think cowboys talked. Like they they had this eloquent way of of using the language that they probably didn't do. Um, too much in reality, but in myth they do, and that's the way they write. I don't know why they do that specifically for him, though. I just, I don't know if that made any sense. I, I was rambling. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it makes some sense. But it's just this, because yeah, in this movie there are other characters like his brother also talks in this way, and I think Hi also talks like this uh, yeah. at some points throughout the movie. Uh, and if we go to other movies, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, yeah. Your Clooney talks in this way too. Yeah, it's a, it's an older way of talking, which has kind of persisted in the South. Yeah, but it mainly what because I'm getting they're, they're at, kind of they're kind of backwards. Ah. Yeah, so, so it is a way of writing that they just do, which is yeah. one of the biggest charms I think, because I I love that that way of writing dialogue. It's yes. almost as uh, iconic as Quentin Tarantino's way of writing dialogue. Yes, yes. Uh, but even movies that doesn't have this. They usually put in John Goodman to talk like that, because <laughs> I mean, in um, uh, uh, for uh, well, Martin Fink, uh, that that takes place in uh, the the Hollywood, Hollywood and right, they yeah. have John Goodman there talking South uh, with South uh, dialect. But he's not. He's not. He's not from the South in that movie. Isn't he? I don't know. That's maybe why he talks like I, that. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, I yeah, don't he is, yeah, he is oh, okay. from the south and talks like that. But it's just that, yeah, we need to have good John Goodman talk like this. <laughs> uh, okay, again, yeah. brother, where art thou? Uh, where he's the cyclops and he, he talks like that. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Big Lebowski. Uh, he's not from the south in that one, I think. No, but, uh, but he, he, ha- he has that way of talking still. Yeah, it's it's not like in a southern way, but he is very eloquent when it comes to words. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And, and I'm just wondering if this is something which is specifically we need John Goodman talking in this way. Well, in all in all the movies I've seen with him, both Cohen movies and otherwise, he he's very good at uh, uh, delivering dialogue. I mean, maybe not better than anyone else, but he he is very very good at it. Mm. So writing fun, intricate, eloquent dialogue for him that must be a treat when he ha- when he reads it to you back to you. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's just why like, <laughs> he's really good at this. Let's write really good dialogue for him. Yeah. Uh, so because so, because it doesn't feel like they write a character and then think, oh, John Goodman would be do- good for this. It's more like they write a character for John Goodman to play in their movies. That he is. They have him in mind even at the writers' table. That's oh, yeah. how it oh, feels. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm certain of that. I know they they wrote. Um... All the way back in Racing Arizona, they wrote uh, the role of Ed for uh, uh, f- not lost name, but um, damn it, what's uh, her Holly name? Hunter. Holly, Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. I would have yeah. called her Bonnie Hunter. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, Holly Hunter. She, that that role was written for her, um, and I know they've they've done that with other roles as well. Mm. Um, I know the dude. I think was well. It was based on a real character, but uh, it was specifically written for um, Jeff Bridges. 
So they they, they tend to do that. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that they would do that for uh, John Goodman as well. Uh, yeah, and there's there's a lot of interesting uh, good characters in Racing Arizona. Uh, yeah, well, all, is, uh, all characters are are interesting. I mean, they always do that. They even they always write every character has to, a little quirk. They're, they're they're not just like side characters, set dressing basically. They're all characters. Yeah, I completely forgot that uh, William Forsythe was in this movie. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't know it, but I was I was. Glad it, to, it, to discover it because <laughs> I like it's, William Forsythe. It's, it's I, I think it's weird to see him in this kind of role. Yeah, he, I'm, I'm this is known not as what he usually a bad plays. Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he usually plays like the. I, I'm thinking the stereotypical William Forsythe character is the the Devil's Rejects uh, character. Yeah, the, poli- uh, the police, uh, sh- the sheriff. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the hard hard sheriff uh, who needs to get the bad guys. Yeah. Weird to play to see him play this cartoonish bad guy sort of person. And it's also what's really weird is to see him without a mustache because he yeah. almost always has a mustache. Mustache, otherwise, he doesn't have a mustache on his IMDb pictures, though. So he doesn't. For oh some no. Reason. Yeah, but for me, I will always. He he will always be the bad guy from Out for Justice in my head. Um, it's the first Steven Seagal movie I saw, where he's oh, a geez. he's a okay. he's a is an, he's an insane meth smoking super violent mobster who is who is uh, the the movie starts with him killing a police officer and then basically like just uh, uh, reconciling with 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 fate and saying yeah I'm gonna die tonight because every police officer is gonna come after me so I'm gonna have a fucking good time until I do so he just smoke he just does drugs he fucks hookers he beats up people he is the m- most disgusting person I've ever seen in a movie and I saw this when I was like I don't know eight so it's it's he that is imprinted in my head. Um, Pretty bad movie after having watched it again a, f- a while ago, but <laughs> but William Forsythe is. But, but it's it is stuck in the mind. Oh yes, because he he is disgusting, but in a <laughs> good way for actors' way. Uh, so check it out, I suppose. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Steven Seagal movies isn't really a selling point for me. No, no, uh, no. But this is this is from the nineties. It's before they were bad. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah, but I'll always remember. It. For me, he's always like angry. Not, not maybe not evil, but angry and dangerous. And here he's just like a big baby. <laughs> yeah, he's like the he's he's the 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 good one of the brothers. Yeah, of. yeah. Even though they're both, they both become very maternal. Everyone just loves that baby. Yeah, which there's I think something is, about that baby. Yeah, and, I, and that, well, once again, the whole thing about no one is actually a bad guy except for uh, the 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 Manhunter. Everyone is kind of good, even though they're criminals. I mean, everyone's a criminal in this movie, basically, except well, for yeah. I guess ex- except for the one who's usually the criminal in movies like this, the big rich guy who owns yeah. a, who owns a, a furniture empire. He's the only guy who hasn't broken any laws, at least not in the movie. <laughs> That's another an- another um oh no the word subverting of of oh. of um uh people's expectations <sighs> but um let's talk a little bit more about Nicolas Cage yes um since this is the Nicolas Cage podcast madness yes. in the method um he wasn't very Nicolas Cage in this I'd say no I know but I, I think I, for me, I, I know why it is for me at least because every character is a Nicolas Cage character in this movie. <laughs> Everyone yeah. screams, has weird dialogue, weird quirks. Um, there, the, the whole movie is over the top. So him just being Nicolas Cage is like okay, he's just as regular as everyone else in this movie, I suppose. <laughs> it felt sort of like he was. Well, not not completely, but in a way, the straight man in the story. Yeah, in yeah. Because uh, there was, he was almost always the one who who said no, but then got convinced. Oh yeah, he said no to everything. He just, oh, this doesn't seem like a good idea. 
to steal a baby, but then uh, he does it. And then when they do steal a baby, he, he, he chickens out at the. You can't steal a baby. The, yeah. And then the uh, Ed tells him to, and it's, yeah, and the same with the brothers and the bank robbery and. Yeah, and I mean that's even that's even I, I think that's part of his personality that he's kind of a pushover. Because yeah. even in his internal dialogue, he's like, "Oh, I thought it was a great idea to steal the baby," but mm. that, that just just before the the title card comes up, you, if you if you look at him, he's obviously not like happy they're going to steal a baby. He he looks miserable as he's checking the the ladder and getting into the car, and then yeah, when they're when they're leaving with the baby and and when their his boss comes over for a visit while his kids, he looks miserable, both because he realizes, oh, maybe I don't want kids, and also because, oh no, I stole a child. Yeah. <laughs> but he never, I... like, he never lets that, um, uh, uh, that side of him show uh, uh, to anyone, except except for, you know, to the audience. Yeah. Um, also, another thing with his performance, well, I don't know if it's the performance or if it's a movie, I don't know. Um, but, this one, I, I'd say this is the first time it really he really felt like a main character, like he was the star of the movie. He 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 has been main character in movies we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I don't know if it's just because this is the first really good movie, or that yeah, he's a star in, or that he didn't he didn't share. He wasn't co-star with anyone. No, well, no, I, I, I think he does co-star with the, with the, the other ones, but, but he, um, yeah, it's his, it's his first big movie. I, he, I, I think he wanted Boy in Blue to be his big first big movie, but it kind of got forgotten. Yeah. So this was his, this was his first real big movie, and working with, uh, even at this point, like estab- established directors in Joel and Ethan Cohen. Yeah, it, it, it somehow felt in his performance or in the way we, we oh, yeah. looked at him that it was a way the movie was made and the way he performed that. Yeah, he's now we can see that he is he is a star. He's gonna become a star. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not just a because I mean in all the movies before uh, he's been the friend or the co-star with someone else on the on the uh, like oh, yeah. uh, racing with the moon where he co-stars with uh, Pen. And it's just this one, it really felt like his movie in a way. Oh, sure. Yeah, e- yeah, even yeah. Ed felt like a side character. Yeah, uh, yeah. She, and she, it, because he's the, he's the narrator of the story. It, it, it becomes his story yeah. more than anyone else's. And, it, and as you said, Boy in Blue maybe should have been his first main story. The yeah. problem there was it was just a bad movie. Well, it's yeah, just, it wasn't very it, good. <laughs> it doesn't work. No, uh, yeah. and, I, and I think also that movie didn't really... Uh, it wasn't really made with his strengths in mind. No, definitely not. Because he is, you feel that in this one, he is a, a, a he's a physical actor. Oh yes. He, it, 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 it isn't just um, expressions. It's also a lot of body language and a lot of oh yeah, working with everything he got. And I think in the Boy in Blue, there was mostly yeah, he he was rowing. But he, more he was, than that, he was mostly just standing around talking. Yeah, they wanted him to be like a typical Hollywood hunk, which he's not. Yeah, he is. A, he's a special kind of beast. He's very special. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and and this one, they really played into that. And his, yeah, let him play, let loose, and as you said, let the other characters be even bigger than him, which made him. Seems sort of normal. <laughs> yeah, comparison. yeah. It made him the straight guy in this movie, which he's not at all, really. <laughs> I'd say the only issues that I had with his performance in this movie, uh, no? and I don't know if that's that's maybe intentional, and it's just not my preference. But in some of the fight scenes, is it, yeah, yeah, he did a lot of weird things with his eyes. He squinted a lot. Squinted with one eye and staring. It was... He did... It looked like he pretended to have uh, a black eye sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I think that's intentional. I mean, there's even one when he gets uh, after... Af, when, there, when 
after they had their boss there and they're going to buy uh, diapers, mm-hmm. he gets, I think that, or maybe it's after the diaper scene, yeah, he gets slapped by Ed, and he looks straight into the camera and basically does the eyes, like they're rolling around in his head. Yeah. I, I think that is intentional, that they're, some of the violence is, or most of the violence, most of the movie is so cartoonish, it's almost like a live-action cartoon. So I think yeah. that is intentional. Yeah. So yeah, it is possible that it is intentional. It, it yeah. it's, but it, I did not like it. Uh, okay. I think it, 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 it t- kind of took me out of the movie because, specifically, was the the scene. There was a lot of other examples, but the best example is when he's fighting with Leonard Smalls. S- yeah. Small, small, that's Smalls. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they go toe to toe, and he tries to crawl under the car. Yes. Yeah. And in that, he just squints a lot with his. Like left eye. I know he does that a few times. And it's I'm just, not sure why. Why do you do this? This looks just weird. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, it sort of took me out because it felt like a weird choice. But again, maybe they were going for a cartoony style that I just wasn't for me. Yeah. No. Yeah. For me. For me, it it, it, it didn't bother me because because I, I thought it, it fit with the the tone of the movie. I mean, in that scene when he's being dragged out from under the car, he literally does the. Uh, trying to grab the ground with his fingers. Yeah. Um, they, they, the only thing that could have made it even more cartoony is if they added the screech sound. But yeah. they, they didn't, because that's too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have no issues with the cartoonish violence. It was just his acting to the cartoonish violence that, that bothered me. Sure, but sure, sure. Other yeah. than that, I think I, I thought it was he was great in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't know if it's his best acted movie so far. Um, yeah, you thinking in the movies we've seen him in? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so far, I, I uh, all, when we I when we go through this list, I only talk about the movies we've already seen. Oh, okay, that, yeah, that's good because we are yeah. supposed to discover him as we go along. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think he was a l- it's up I, there, it, but yeah, but he was more. Again, maybe that was the point. That was maybe direct directional. The director's choice, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he he had a lot of more range and a lot more interest interest in in Birdie. It was a lot more interesting in Birdie. Oh sure, yes, in, yes. In just his his acting shops, so to speak. definitely. But I would but I would say that this played more to his strengths in being yeah, yeah, a more insane and funny character because he is. I I think he's better as a like comedic actor than a, a serious actor, and even in most of his serious roles, he does stuff that makes you laugh anyway, because yeah. he's so strange. <laughs> yeah. So for me, he is more a comedic actor. So I, yeah. I I'll, yeah. I'll put this up like on the same level as Birdie, but in in a different uh-huh. style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is why we even started this uh, podcast because he is this. Somewhere between serious and comedic, and <laughs> yeah. he's comedic in serious movies and serious in comedic movies, and he's he's all over the place. He's all uh, over the place. So. Uh, yeah, and we've discovered that that's been the way all almost from the beginning of his career. So yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I did read just regarding. I just want to think about that world because apparently, um, oh, I forgot his name now. Uh, yeah, Kevin Costner. <laughs> Yeah? So he auditioned for the role of H.I. Oh, no! Three oh times! Oh, my God! When, when, did, does it say why they didn't pick him? No, it just said he okay. auditioned for the role three times. But uh, I just, <laughs> That would have been wor- terrible! Yeah, the world where H.I. is played by Kevin Costner. Now, that's... It's not a world I want to live in. No. But, but at the same time, um, since... Joel and Ethan Cohen are such good directors. Maybe they could have like. Ma- I don't think they could have made Kevin Costner act the way that Nicolas Cage does. That's possible because Kevin Costner is very, he's very stuck in his ways when it comes to acting. Yeah. But I, 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 I think they could have made it work. I mean, Kevin Costner is, he's one of those actors, uh, as. as just as I say that Tom Cruise is one of those actors, people don't agree with me, but it's the truth, people are wrong, <laughs> that they only play themselves, or ex- or the role they want them want to be. Sure. 
They have decided I, a cool character, and then they only played that character forever in every movie. I'll agree with you on Kevin Costner there. Yeah. But Tom Cruise has range, but then what? Yeah, he has <laughs> range, but he doesn't want to do them. Do it. Okay. <laughs> that's he only. That's, that's that's very true of his later career. Yes, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, because I mean, we see that he's uh, great in uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh yes. He's amazing in that movie. I, but he he doesn't I didn't even do know it was that. him until I saw the credits. Yeah, same. I was like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I was I was con- throughout the movie I was I know this actor, but I don't Yeah, know. yeah, but I couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah, yeah, but no no, he wanted to play the cool action tall Tom Cruise character that he plays in every movie since yeah. Tropic Thunder. No, oh, I agree. So no, no, yeah, so I can't see how Kevin Costner would do in this movie. How? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. He's he's never been in a uh, Cohen movie. I mean, they they re- they rarely like fail with directing actors. So who knows? Yeah. But it's also it's hindsight. Like, oh, they, it wouldn't have been as good as Nicolas Cage doing it. But who knows? Cohen Brothers, they 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 have to be uh, and have had that reputation for a long time, right? Where they can just more or less just pick actors. Yeah, more or uh, less. And, and, and actors would just... They will say no to other things because Coen Brothers says that they maybe want them. That's... Yeah, for the most part, that's that's what I've heard as well. Yeah. yeah. And I mean... So... And it shows because they have the greatest actors in those yeah. in their movies. And that's also another thing. I don't know if they did that back in, in this era of their uh, career. But I know nowadays, like, uh, actors... There, there's no like ad libbing or or um, uh, free freestyling, you know, putting in your own dialogue. No, you mm. what they write is what you say verbatim. Yeah. So and I, so I, I think that also adds to the fact that they have directed a lot of like good performances, even a lot of or at least some uh, Oscar winning performances. Like they know what they want, and they'll make you. Get there, basically, which is that's that feels very rare. A lot of other directors are kind of like hey, do do your thing, kind of like this. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't have a lot of those uh, uh, Hitchcock <laughs> directors. No, anymore. yeah, yeah. It's it's Coen Brothers and it's sort of Quentin Tarantino, sort of, sort I of. Think he's not not that much anymore, but he, he was more of that before. Yeah, say. But yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, it's, it's a good movie. Um, yeah, it was really good. And I, I'm excited for the next movie, too. Next two movies. Well, Alright, it's uh, uh, Moonstruck? Yeah, next one is Moonstruck, the movie that I've heard about for ages. Yeah, me saw. too. I've never seen it. And then, and then we have the one. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Vampire's motherfucking kiss. I mean... <laughs> Is that not... the one you have like a big analysis video of on your channel? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I still haven't I wanna, seen I... that that video because I want to so, see the movie first. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Don't, don't. Because I've said this before. I say this every time we bring up this movie. I don't want to overhype it, which I already have, but I don't want to overhype it more. The movie so. or your video? The, the, no, <laughs> the movie. My video also. It's a work, work of genius, but you know the movie. I'm talking about the movie. Um, yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm. Pretty excited for for you to watch this. Yeah, this I mean, yeah. I I don't think I'm gonna like it, but I think I'm gonna enjoy it. If you put it like that, uh, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I think. Um, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So uh, maybe some scores for Racing Arizona, or do you have anything else you want to add before scores? Um, uh, not really. I, I I thought it was fun that Randall Cobb played the the bad guy because he's in a bunch, not a bunch, but he's in. He's in some Jim Carrey movies where he has like super small roles. I, I, yeah, that's that, it's a name. I was like, hey, Randall takes Cobbs. And when I saw he had a bigger role in this one, I was like, oh, nice. That's apparently, he, apparently he couldn't ride a motorcycle before this. Movie. Yeah, yeah, I read that, <laughs> which is insane because he yeah. rides, he barely ever walks. He's always on that motorcycle. I, yeah, it's just the fight scene we ever see him walk, right? He he sits yeah. at places, but we never saw him see him. Walk in and walk out. No, yeah, he walk. No, he walks once into the uh, unpainted furniture store. Oh, right, but we, it's it. just a cl- but it's just close-ups, so we oh, don't yes, actually yes. see the feet touch the ground. Other than that, he's always on. He even opens doors with his motorcycle. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Very good character. Very well portrayed by Randall Cobb. But yes, scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what will you be scoring it? I'm actually going to give this one an 8. Oh, okay. Uh, so... And I uh, will, of course, give it a a seven. No, I, I'm, I'm actually going to give this an eight as well. I, oh, really? So it's not yeah. seven this time? No, no, it is an eight because for what it is, a comedy, it worked perfectly for me. Yeah. And I mean, there was, and I'm mean, not like saying like, oh, because it's a comedy, you know, a lower kind of movie, but even as a movie, it was it was very unflawed, and I laughed a lot. So that's that's it's an eight out of ten for me. Yeah. It, it, same. It's just there. It's not perfect. There are obviously no, some, there some are, small nitpicks, yeah. and maybe the story isn't the greatest story in the world. But it's you have fun. You're very entertained, and as I uh, learned when we talked about it, there is a lot of things that a lot of small, interesting things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah. Because when I saw when I was done watching the movie, I was thinking, yeah, I don't have any much to talk about because it wasn't that interesting uh, technically, but obviously it was. Because we've been talking oh, yeah. about it for like over an hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of stuff there. So, so yeah, it's, it's a good movie. Um, it's uh, so far. No, no. I was gonna say it's the highest reviewed movie so far, but that's uh, Rumblefish. Yeah. Since I since I changed my. Or but you you score. gave this the same score as Rumblefish. The revised yes. score of Rumblefish. Yes, because because I, I I recognize the genius in Rumblefish. I just have to rewatch it and kind of try and figure it out. <laughs> If I yeah. do that, that'd probably climb up to a 9 or a 10 for me. Mm. I just need ten. to understand it. Maybe not a 10, but at least a 9. I wonder if there could be any 10s in this uh, podcast. Uh, there should be. There should be. Just just statistically. Uh, there should because he be. made so many movies, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't want to spoil any movies if you haven't seen them, but... Mm. There might uh, be... There might Conner, be... 10. Oh, that's a 12. Yes. 12, yeah, obviously. Maybe um, 15, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so next week, Moonstruck. Yes, Moonstruck. Uh, just a regular romantic comedy. Yeah. But maybe um, maybe it'll surprise us, who knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you haven't seen it at all. No. no. I've only seen the trailer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, cause I... Moonstruck was one of those movies that I always... Um, uh, what did you say? Uh, uh, there's another movie that I always... Oh, yeah. Moonstruck and Wolf. I always thought that was those two movies oh. were the same movie. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I, I think they're very different. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I haven't seen Wolf either. That's why. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> um, it's a, that's a weird one. Pretty good, but weird. Yeah. You're uh, thinking of the one with I, Jack Nicholson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah, I, okay. I have no idea why. I, I think it's just because this has Moon in the title, and they yeah, came well, out <laughs> around sort of maybe the same decade. Yeah, early, uh, yeah, early, <laughs> early 90s, both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I have definitely no idea. <laughs> I just remember seeing, not even like a proper trailer, but like... Um, uh, like Come uh, when it was showing on TV in Sweden, they had like when they showed ads for oh this Friday we're showing Moonstruck, you know that's mm. the trailer I remember watching. So uh, yeah, I've never huh? never seen the whole thing. So I'm I'm interested because it's it's very well reviewed, so it should be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So see that next week. Yes. Um, uh, so yeah, if if you want to follow along, watch Moonstruck until next until next episode. And also, if if you wanna if you wanna hear this uh, podcast, um, it's it's still only available on our Patreon. However, um, when you hear this episode, we will have started uploading it for free on Spotify and iTunes and all that. But if you, um, so you know, if you if you're hearing this, hopefully you've already joined us on Patreon. But if you haven't. All the all the f- coming episodes will always be released early, at least a week early on Patreon. So check us out there. Also check us out there for um, exclusive episodes of uh, my other podcast, the Spoilercast, and and uh, er- early sneak peeks of videos and even exclusive videos. And also just to, to help us uh, keep the podcasts and videos uh, alive and helping us helping this channel, this thing growing. <laughs> So check us out. It's uh, patreon.com slash don't make a scene. 
But, uh, yeah, that's gonna have to be it. Racing Arizona, uh, and we'll see you next time from Moonstruck. But until then, have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone. The Nicolas Cage Podcast is part of Please Don't Make a Scene. It's produced, directed, and edited by Tobias Vidian. Hosted by Tobias Vidian and Christopher Billian after an original idea by Christopher Billian. Executive producer is Annika Vidian. And a big thank you to all our sponsors over at Patreon for keeping the show going. Laura Kinney, Rasmus Jonsson, Mom and Dad. If you also want to join our Patreon, you can at www.patreon.com slash don't make a scene. Help us keep the show going.